Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Well, after decades of neutrality, decades of not wanting to be a part, not feeling they needed to be a part of the NATO alliance, things have changed dramatically in Finland and Sweden. You know, all along, Russian President Vladimir Putin has sought to weaken and divide NATO. And what has he done now? Well, he has unified and strengthened the alliance. Finland and Sweden are now moving toward NATO membership. Now, Turkey could still have something to say about it. So there is that side of the story we'll get into. But it is hugely significant, the shift in public opinion. All kind of embodied an interesting story about a brewery in Finland, Olaf Craft uh, Craft Brewing in eastern Finland tapping into uh, the public sentiment, uh, developing a NATO-themed beer with the NATO logo, O-T-A-N, on the front. They can't make it fast enough. Uh, The beer is incredibly in demand in Finland, as I guess Finns celebrate uh, this move forward. Now, obviously, there's some, some tension to this. There's a reason why they're wanting to join NATO in the first place, and it's concern about Russia. Russia is obviously not happy. Vladimir Putin is now moving to cut off Russian energy to Finland. So there's going to be some repercussions, but uh, I think this whole situation in Ukraine uh, has been a real wake-up call for these two countries uh, and the need for NATO protection and the need to counter Russian aggression. Vladimir Putin may have uh, overplayed his hand here. Things are not going well in Ukraine, and we'll touch on that later in the hour. Uh, But now he's, uh, as I say, unified and strengthened the very alliance he was trying to weaken and divide. So joining us to talk about the significance of these changes and to also look at what it means from a Canadian perspective. Obviously, Canada has a real interest uh, in NATO's continued existence, in NATO being strong and relevant. Maybe we've not carried our weight when it comes to defense spending, and that needs to be addressed. But very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this afternoon, Christian Luprecht. He's a professor of the Royal Military College and at Queen's University. He's a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute. His latest book is called Intelligence as Democratic Statecraft and joins us on the line here this afternoon. Professor Luprecht, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Oh, Rob. And we don't know how the situation in Ukraine is ultimately going to unfold, but clearly maybe an unintended consequence on Putin's part has been a strengthening of the NATO alliance. How significant is it now, in your view, uh, that both Finland and, and Sweden are now aspiring to join this alliance? That is the operative question to ask, because, of course, Biden had always said and had always threatened that the consequence of an invasion of Ukraine by Russia would be uh, not uh, less NATO, but more NATO. Uh, Putin had said he wanted a less United States and a less NATO. He's going to get uh, not just more NATO in terms of uh, U.S. troop presence, but he's also going to get two more NATO members. And let's remember uh, that Putin had attempted with this invasion to divide NATO, divide the European Union. So it's very critical that NATO stands united here, because if we have even one ally such as Turkey offside, uh, and if Putin can demonstrate that this will divide 
NATO, uh, then Putin would have achieved one of his major objectives with the invasion in the first place. You alluded to Turkey. Turkey is is problematic, I suppose, for for numerous reasons. But uh, you know, their threat to to maybe block Finland and Sweden, this could be problematic. Do you sense that the Turkey's maybe looking for some concessions on on certain issues, or, or what are they up to? Do you suspect? Look, Turkey has long been an outlier in the alliance, in, in its uh, often uh, um, uh, hostile relationships with some of the alliance, other members in the alliance. I mean, think of the longstanding con- uh, conflict between Turkey and Greece, uh, the conflict even today over hydrocarbons of uh, Cyprus with Greece, um, uh, the uh, Turkish naval ship almost coming to blows with a French naval ship that was enforcing uh, the uh, blockade, the UN blockade of uh, weapons into Libya uh, last year, uh, that Turkey uh, poking a finger into the USI uh, when uh, the US wouldn't sell Patriot, the Patriot missile system to Turkey and buying the S-400 Russian uh, missile system, uh, air defense system instead. Uh, so uh, these are just sort of a few of the examples. But ultimately, Turkey knows it is also geopolitically indispensable to NATO. It is a vital ally. Uh, and Turkey is essentially, I think, uh, engaging in negotiations here. Turkey has been subject to some pretty severe weapons import restrictions by other NATO members. Uh, that's highly unusual for a NATO member to impose these types of boycotts or restrictions. Um, and in Canada, we doubled down after a Canadian drone was used for offensive purposes in Azerbaijan um, in violation of the um, export uh, ag- agreement that uh, Turkey had for the Canadian camera technology used in the Bakhtiar drone, um, which was intended for export to Ukraine, not for export to Azerbaijan. And so uh, what Turkey is trying to achieve is, on the one hand, a lifting um, of uh, those weapons exports uh, by key members, um, Canada, the U.S., uh, France, uh, Germany, Netherlands, um, so a host of key countries. And it is also trying to, I think, reverse a couple of things. One is it's probably looking for the Patriot missile system from the United States, but we know that it is looking for the F-16 because when uh, Turkey bought the S-400 system from Russia, air defense system, the United States effectively kicked Turkey out of the F-35 program. And so now Turkey needs a fighter jet and uh, Turkey is looking for that F-16. That's why I think you heard Anthony Blinken saying, you know, this is all going to work out and these two countries are going to join because much of this is ultimately going to be brokered by the U.S. And NATO, look, I mean, uh, the U.S. is the undisputed leader of uh, NATO. When the United States say this is how it's going to go, um, uh, I have great confidence that this is is how it's going to go because it is ultimately about U.S. unilateralism. And the U.S. has said the door is wide open for Finland and Sweden. And as it pertains to those two countries, I mean, the vote in Finland's parliament, I think, was 188 to 8. Public opinion has has done a dramatic U-turn on this issue in a relatively short period of time. Uh, You know, obviously, they're much closer to the situation in Ukraine and they, they see the threat from Putin, but it is still remarkable to see such a dramatic turnaround in how these countries perceive NATO. What do you attribute it to? Yeah, so these are, you know, in terms of population size, relatively small countries, but with disproportionately capable militaries for countries that particular size. I think there's a couple of things that are driving it. One is uh, the concern about a possible tactical nuclear strike by uh, Russia. Uh, Russia isn't going to strike NATO territory because then it would be subject to U.S. retaliation. Um, But it it could ostensibly strike uh, Finland and Sweden. Um, But Sweden has really since 2014 in particular, 
uh, been concerned about Gotland, the island that lies about halfway between Sweden and the Russian exclave of Kaliningrad. And Russia has significant naval capabilities in the Baltic Sea that would allow it to control the central and eastern part of the Baltic Sea. By Sweden and Finland joining NATO, it essentially denies Russia that naval maritime domain because it now means that NATO essentially owns and controls all of the Baltic Sea. And so this is very much about containing Russia, both in terms of a tactical nuclear strike, but also in containing Russia about any naval activity uh, that it might be conducting uh, with regards to the Kaliningrad exclave. And that sort of naval activity would pose a significant risk to the Baltic states. So it's also a significant security boost uh, for the security guarantees that NATO and the United States provides uh, to the territorial integrity um, of uh, Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania. And of course, Canada has long been engaged as the uh, lead nation in the enhanced forward presence um, uh, under Operation Assurance to Latvia. In terms of of Canada and NATO, I I think Canada has a vested interest in NATO being strong and relevant. We benefit from from this alliance, and I think there's a general consensus, uh, certainly when it comes to to, uh, Canadian politics, about the importance of NATO. But there's also the question of making sure we're also demonstrating our commitment to this alliance. What, What are the implications of all of this for Canada, do you think? Yeah, those are good questions because, of course, one of the things that I think hasn't come up much in public debate is uh, Finland and Sweden are members of the Arctic Council. And so it now means that all the members of the Arctic Council, except for Russia, uh, are NATO member countries. So it does shift some of the weight also in the Arctic. We've had relatively little NATO in the Arctic. This is partially by intent for Canada because Canada has always, as we know, has significant sovereignty claims in the Arctic and perhaps hasn't wanted too much NATO. But we also know there's been significant concerns about Arctic sovereignty and about Russian activity in the Arctic. So this is also an opportunity to have a more cohesive uh, approach in terms of containing uh, potential Russian aggression in the Arctic. And it's also an opportunity, of course, to contain um, uh, Chinese moves um, in maritime, in the maritime domain um, in the Arctic. So there's ancillary benefits here uh, for Canada. But I think Canada will also, it, it will mean that even though Sweden and Finland have said they're not looking in the immediate term uh, for NATO troops uh, or NATO uh, nuclear weapons to be stationed on their territory. Canada, of course, uh, being a a northern country, an Arctic country uh, that has significant capabilities in this type of terrain, um, I think there'll be more opportunity here for Canada to partner with Sweden and with Finland beyond the NATO exercises uh, where we've uh, already been partnering with both those Baltic countries. Uh, And there'll also be probably an opportunity to work more closely on air defense, the three Nordic countries, Norway, Sweden, and Finland already have an integrated air defense similar kind of to NORAD. Um, And given that we provide some of the air cover uh, to the Baltic states, uh, this also means a more integrated approach to air defense uh, across NATO territory, including Canadian uh, contributions. Well, between NATO expansion and, you know, continued setbacks and frustration in Ukraine, I I mean, certainly, you know, it's, it's, this is not working out well for Putin in any sense. Where, Where does it leave him now? Uh, well, I think it's uh, uh, going to have to make him think about how he's uh, – it'll be interesting to watch how Russia is going to uh, retaliate here uh, for this. I think Russia's options are fairly uh, limited, um, and we don't want to give uh, Putin much opportunity to intervene. This is why uh, all allies are pushing, with the exception of Turkey, for a very expeditious uh, admission of Finland and Sweden uh, to the NATO alliance to become the 30 
31st and 32nd um, uh, uh, member. Um, and it also provides greater containment for Russian aggression because ultimately, as President Biden had said, the Russian periphery will not be safe as long as Putin is in power. And so it means that uh, NATO member countries will have even greater opportunity uh, to contain Russia politically, economically and militarily um, uh, to not only um, uh, 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 make sure that Putin uh, doesn't get adventurous and uh, uh, challenges the territorial integrity of other countries in the region, but also to make sure that uh, he has to think long and hard um, about the cohesion um, in terms of sanctions, uh, political response and military response um, by European um, uh, members and their transatlantic partners, that is to say the United States and Canada. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.